In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You've heard this gospel before, of course. It's just a message about mercy, forgiveness, kindness, justice, and it is that. Maybe your thoughts have drifted in the meantime to St. Paul's epistle to the Ephesians. Putting on the armor of God. That's an attractive meditation. To be able to stand against the deceits of the devil. They are not few. Our wrestling is not against flesh and blood. Or silk and ermine, as the case may be, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the world of this darkness, against the spirits of wickedness in high places. That's compelling. We're talking about those evil spirits who have, who have commandeered parts of creation. I believe the Greek word that St. Paul invented for this phrase, rulers of the world of darkness. I can see the letters, cosmopractikos, is a fascinating word that he invented to describe this notion that they don't actually own the world. They inflict darkness on those parts that have been obviously only temporarily conquered. And so take unto you the armor of God that you may be, may be able to resist in the evil day and to stand in all things perfect. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of justice and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. One of the lessons is that before we get carried away, we should listen to the gospel and make sure that we are paying attention to what the Lord is saying. Double check. Read it again. Ask the right questions. Read the word of God. Open your heart to the word of God. Don't read it just for the sake of what I already intend to do with this, whom, with whom I already intend to argue over this, but rather, what's, what is the Holy Spirit saying? What's newsworthy about this? Why is this important? How is this challenging? So let's revisit this gospel that you already know. You could probably already tell it yourself. The king was taking an account of his servants. One was brought to him who owed 10,000 talents. And he had not wherewith to pay it. 
So his Lord commanded that he should be sold and his wife and his children. We've already been presented with an entirely impossible scenario. It's already impossible for the servant to pay this back. It's almost impossible to imagine by what sequence of events did he come to owe 10,000 talents to the king? Did he lose a bet? Granted, perhaps you're, you're imagining how Christ was relating the parable has to do with perhaps that uh, there is an indentured uh, servitude and therefore there is the room and board that is always being deducted and therefore that accumulates. I, I, I don't know how many lifetimes it would take to accumulate 10,000 denarii. We're talking about something astronomical. The notion of the servant in any, in, any, in any circumstance being able to pay this back is, a, is absurd. Especially because he's a servant. Our starting point with the Lord is being impossibly in debt by original sin. There is no escaping it. There is no making up for it. There is no paying it off. There is no suffering enough such that we've worked it off. It is an impossible burden. There is nothing we can do about it. It's impossible. The only way that this can be resolved, the only act that can solve this problem is, is the king simply forgiving the debt. It's something that we've probably forgotten. Our lives are forfeit. And the Lord has given us an impossible gift, not just of being restored to where we were before, not just giving us an opportunity to earn a way to heaven, but by giving us, just by our act of faith and love, the inheritance of heaven life with the king, the life of the king. Remember, when our Lord tells parables, he is basically without exception describing behavior which would have seemed absurd to the listeners not just to get their attention, 
but to illustrate how the Lord's ways are so different from our ways. Right? Nobody turns over all the furniture looking for one coin. No shepherd leaves 99 perfectly good sheep, only to get lost in search of one lost sheep. No king ever gives up the opportunity to gain back some of what is owed him. By the same token, no king ever lets a servant get that far in debt to him. And then what follows next? That we know well. A pittance, a hundred pence. It's not even a tenth of a tenth of 10,000 denarii is owed to this now forgiven servant. By one glance, we can see, obviously, there's, there's no way that getting that back in any way puts him in a position to ever repay what he, what he owed to the king, which is already forgiven anyway. But by gum, and I haven't used that expression in 45 years, this little runt owes him something. It's, it's pride. This person is walking around with my money. This person's very breath is contemptuous. They are ignoring my authority over them. He actually has a little bit of a notion of how his, how his devotion to the one who has forgiven him should um, should continue. But there's a dilemma in some people who are successfully subservient, especially those people who are willing to be mistreated for the sake of duty or obedience. Sometimes they make the worst superiors because they expect others to put up with the exact same mistreatment, disrespect, and abuse that they absorbed. The lesson of having been mistreated is treat others well. The lesson of being forgiven is forgive. The lesson of receiving the Lord's generosity is be generous. But it's not just a moral lesson. It explains some dimension of how what happens here during the holy sacrifice really involves a beautiful mystery. 
the Lord offers up the sacrifice that we owe and draws us into his sacred heart to be cleansed so as to be able to love. We are guilty and will always be in need of God's mercy. And at the same time, we are forgiven and exercise the nobility of being adopted sons and daughters of God. Everyone who comes our way is wretched, just like we are. And everyone who comes our way is meant to have a place in the Lord's holy court to enjoy the nobility of the life of the king. So we ask the angels and saints, and we ask the Blessed Virgin Mary, to teach us to be good children, to show us the way to be forgiven and forgiving, to be poor and generous. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.